Thank you. Oh, that's great. Um, I forgot to dismiss the kids. See what happens I, when you're not up here? I forgot to dismiss the kids. You may be dismissed as uh, we get started here. Thanks. Um, gosh, that's a great song. And while it's still called today, we're going to talk about that. And, and that, that's just, thanks, Julie, and ladies and guys, that's just a terrific thing. Um, let me just real quickly explain this little thing you're looking at. Uh, first time I did this message back in January or February, uh, it was in a series, You Are What You Blank. Um, and basically, as you can see here, it's being more than what you do, make, wear, or drive. By the way, it was a little, little fun slap at me, the red convertible up there, because I happen to have a red convertible, but mine is not a, a that's a Viper, okay? And you could buy two or three of mine for what that one costs, just for the record, okay? Pastors always feel like they have to explain that kind of thing. But, um, um... Anyway, that, that, that's what we were talking about, this whole thing. And so we say, what has that got to do with this whole theme that we're talking about when we talk about emotional durability? Here's what it has to do with it. Sometimes materialistic pursuits are motivated by a wounded spirit. Um, and we're seeking to find fulfillment, show my worth, or, 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 or my whatever, trying to show that in some way by either by, by what I make Money-wise, by what I wear, by what I drive, by what I do, in terms of my accomplishments, even if my accomplishments are for good reason sometimes. Do some good things. Some people, hard to believe this, I realize, but some people feel like they have to accomplish certain things, quote-unquote, for God in order to show their worth. And you know what? I hope you do great things in the service of of your Lord and God, if you're, if you're so inclined and, and so desirous to do that. But I hope you don't do it for anybody but to benefit God. And um, so many times we see that, and, and I'm not saying that, I'm not judging anybody when you have names on things and all that kind of deal, but so many times it, it becomes a, a mixed message when we do that. We put names on this or that instead of saying, you know, I'm doing this because I believe this is what God would have me to do. Um, probably the favorite way in our culture um, of finding value, of finding worth, is, is, or, or getting back at someone, is, is this, you know, that it has to do with that statement. In fact, I have, a, I have it for you up here. Uh, live well, it's the greatest revenge. Uh, the Talmud says that. <laughs> Interesting thought, huh? Um, Sometimes say, people say the best revenge you can get is just by living well, and while there may be some truth in that, I hope that's not why you live well. I hope that's not why you seek to live well. I mean, just the whole emptiness of that, because I want to show that mom or that dad that, that abused me, or I want to show that teacher that I had that told me I would never amount to anything, or that, that relative, or that ex-wife, or that ex-husband, or that wh- whomever it happens to be, I want to show them you know, I hope that you go to great things and accomplish great things for other reasons. Because that's, that's sort of a reaction. That's living, that's living a life to get back at someone. And God doesn't want you to live that way. And let me help you with this. You don't want to live that way. You really don't. Because there's no end to that. No matter, there's just no end to that. There's no, there's no total fulfillment. Our purpose today is really I want to examine, I want you to examine your life to make sure that you're not operating out of a desire to get even. Um, 
either by how you live or by allowing present or past bitterness to drive you to prove yourself or, or anything else. That, that's, that's part of my purpose. So what I want to do is just give you some what I call keys to inner stability, keys to, to emotional durability. Obviously, I'm going to go to the only place I know that really gives us some good keys for that, and that's the Bible, and uh, some wisdom that you just can't, can't do better than, than from the Bible, okay, to use a, a phrase. And so here's, here's these keys. There's just, really, I'm just going to look at two or three movements of thought, but actually three, but I'm going to, inside of those, I'll have some other things. So first thing I want to do is just go to the Bible, show you a couple of Bible verses that have to do with this, and just kind of jump off from there. So the first verse that I want you to look at is this one. It's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Some people take that verse and they say, that means you should never go to bed angry. Well, that's not a bad thing. A good, that's not a bad thing to say. I, I agree. That's a little trite. Because if you've lived very many years and if you've been married for more than 10 days, you know that there are times when, when there's going to be some anger. And to say, well, we're going to get it all resolved before we go to sleep. Well, we're going to have some sleepless nights. That might happen sometimes. But sometimes that's also a process. And to think, well, we're just going to get it all. I forgive you. Well, I forgive you. Well, I for, well what kind of dopey, you know, single IQ world are you living in if that's going to happen? Single digit IQ. Um, uh, so the point being this, that's not what that verse is talking about. I mean, it may include that in some ways. But more than that, he's talking about anger just settling in and just sort of taking taking effect on your life in some ways. Where it may not be, an, a, you know, we think of anger as some sort of an active throwing and cussing and swearing and, and just, you know, that type of an anger. It may be just a subtle thing that just sort of lies there and resides inside of you and works on you time after time. And so much so, we're going to look at some symptoms in just a moment, it can have a real nasty effect upon people's personalities and demeanor. So that's one verse that I want you to see. The other one comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Now watch this. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be ruined. Watch out for that root. I like the way that the writer puts that. That root that, that root of bitterness. It may have come when someone told you you were too short. And we, we joke about that sometimes, but sometimes somebody might have a complex and have that bitterness set in because physically I don't measure up. Maybe they came because they said you were too fat. Maybe it came because your teacher one time said to you, you just don't have the mental ability to deal with this stuff. Maybe it came when you had a parent those who are supposed to be the closest to us and the nurturest the most said some sort of an unkind thing, maybe repeatedly to you. And that bitterness sort of set in there. And it just sort of stays there. And it just has all kinds of, maybe some things you don't even understand in the way that it is affected. I don't know how it may have come for you. One of the areas that I, that I see it probably more, more than, as much at least with, 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 from parents or sometimes with those who have been through a, a, a previous marriage, 
an ex-wife or an ex-husband can sometimes really cause us, can say some, some horribly nasty things. And I've been in situations with people where I've had to remind them, you know what they said wasn't true, don't you? Because sometimes we start believing some of that stuff. And that just has all kinds of weird stuff to us. May not, maybe it wasn't an outside stimulus. Maybe just some of the own doubts and questions that you have had. And you know what? Go ahead and have some doubts and questions, but don't allow it to turn you into a bitter person. Take those doubts and those questions to God, because God's big enough to handle them. Maybe not answer them exactly how you want at every particular time, but he's big enough to handle them. What I want to do now is just get you to think with me through three movements of thoughts. The first one is this. I want to, first of all, deal with this whole thing. Let's detect. Let's detect this bitterness. And I've already touched on this, but let me just, some symptoms of what I would call emotional stability, or, or how does this person look? All right? The first thing is what I've already, just bitterness, just a sourness. You ever known somebody, just kind of bitter, just kind of sour. I don't mean just one time, just their person, they're just kind of bitter people, just kind of sour, they're always, always negative. Um, maybe they have a quick trigger. Maybe you have a quick trigger over petty things. Sometimes that's a sign that you've allowed bitterness to work in your heart because, boom, you, you explode, you know, it's the old proverbial thing, you know, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. We do that sometimes because we allow things to get built up. And then all of a sudden, some little things happen. You know, when, 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 we, when we get married, sometimes a, a, marriage, a good marriage counsel will say that you're going to probably fight over, over how, which end of the tooth, toothpaste tube you squeeze, which is sort of an outdated example because most of us, well, many of us use different kinds. Of, I got a toothpaste thing, which you, you punch it. But anyway, um, and we use two different kinds of toothpaste. But, but that's always a good one to use. The tooth, which, way, which way do you squeeze the toothpaste tube? And people say they get all, parents or uh, couples get all upset about that. Well, I mean, you're supposed to go from the back. You're supposed to go from the front or whatever. <sighs> you know what the deal is? We don't really explode over which way we squeeze the toothpaste tube. We explode over something that's happened long before that, and some little thing sets us off. And that's what a good, a good symptom of, of some instability, you know, a quick trigger over petty things. Think about the last time you just lost it. Might not have been a major deal. Might have been a little thing. But when you start tracing it back, like, ah. And it goes back to that whole thing of having constant communion with God, you know, and the constant understanding of what God's doing in my life. Another, another issue sometimes, the, the way this stuff looks unresolved conflicts, grudges with people. Um, I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment, but just kind, of, just kind of think about that. Another one, you might need a little, you're a whiner. You're a wine. You might need a little cheese with your, you know, for, for your wine, right? You're just a whiner. You know, and we say, oh, that person's a whiner. Well, there's a reason for that. And, and certainly, I don't want to be a whiner, but if I find myself whining all the time, maybe I better stop. Well, why am I doing that? Maybe it's because there's a discontentment that has set in because of bitterness in my life. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a small thing. Another one. Um, dominated by minutia. Just, just petty stuff. And then the last one, just talk dominated um, by me, by me stuff. Just talk dominated by me stuff. Um, again, Ephesians 4, verse 26, puts it this way. Don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. However that might look to you. And you can just think about some of those things and, and dwell with them a little bit and, and think on them. And maybe it's... A lifestyle, and maybe it's just a particular times in your life. 
doesn't matter. Let's just deal with it the proper way. Another way, uh, just real quick, I want to say this real quick. When, when does anger gain control over you? And I got three little simple thoughts here that I want you to think about. Um, very simple, but, but I think will help. When it's personified, I started to say this a moment ago when we talked about holding grudges and so forth. Often, it's a person. Maybe that person is a business partner. Maybe it's a former business partner. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a, a friend. And you get, when you get angry, I mean, and you think of that person. And, and, you know, sometimes you go to the gym and you want to work out and you want to get a punching bag. I've done this before, actually. I usually do it on the golf course. And I imagine a little face on that golf ball, you know. And then I just hack the heck out of it, and it goes over into the woods, and it's lost, and my troubles are gone forever. No, but uh, um, um, it, it becomes personified. You need to deal with that. You say, yeah, but you don't understand what that person did to me. No, I don't. I know what it means to be hurt. I know what it means to be betrayed. I know what it means to have people um, speak ill of you when you don't deserve it. You know what it means when they speak ill of you when you do deserve it. Um, uh, you know, so, but, but this is an issue, and I want I to come back to this. But let, me, let me show you the second thing. It consumes you. Just, just consumes your thoughts. Uh, and, and just the third thing is just when you're overly concerned about your rights. It's that in my rights, that they shouldn't have done that, and they shouldn't have. But that's not the issue. So just some thoughts to detect this stuff. It's what I want you to just, maybe it's something totally different than what I have mentioned, but I want to get just thinking along this just to sort of start detecting these things. I've learned over the years that sometimes these things can happen between couples, married couples, and they can just sort of, even, even those that give the appearance of being happily married together can have some of these underlying things go on. Then sometimes something happens, boom. Maybe they get divorced. Maybe they don't get divorced, but you just find a, a real estrangement there. And it's because they haven't dealt with these things on a regular basis because we're all humans. We all have stuff. I'm going to look at that in just a second. And we need to deal with it in the proper way. So that's detecting bitterness. Let's deal with it right now. All right, let me just tell you how, how we're going to deal with this bitterness. Real simple. These are very simple things. But you know, that's the way most truth is. Sometimes it's simple and we just ignore it. The first thing is this. Seek resolution. Let me give you a couple of verses on this, and I want to talk about it for a second. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends. Isn't that great little, little it, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Some people don't want to be at peace with you. Can't do anything about that. Trust me, I've lost sleep over it. I have become obnoxious. I know it's hard for some of you to believe. But I have become obnoxious at times in trying to seek resolution with someone who didn't want it. I'm not going to do that anymore. They didn't want it. I'll do whatever I can do. I'll do as much as I can do. I'll pray about it. But I'm not going to lose sleep over some idiot that didn't want to have peace with you. Okay? I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. Don't, don't, those words you shouldn't use. Okay? Um, it's a troubled part about having middle school kids in here. I have to watch my language, you know? Uh, no. Um, I mean, but you understand what I'm getting at here. Some of this stuff can just eat you up. That's not a fun place to be. And, and, and so, seek resolution. Let me show you another verse real quick. Uh, try to live at peace with everyone. Seek to live a clean and holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Try to live in peace with everyone. Try. Will everyone want to live in peace with you? No, they won't. 
But so here's the issue. Seek resolution. Now listen. Don't make the mistake. And I can talk to you about mistakes on this one because I've made every one of them more than once. Don't make the mistake to think that if you have this problem with this person or these people or whoever, that you're going to get resolution. Boom. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to get resolution. And probably the wrong answer. Try it. But sometimes it's a process. And I will just say this, from my experience, most of the time, it's a process. And we get, some of us more than others, but we get impatient. We say, I've got to get resolution here with this family member. They never have liked me. I've got to get resolution with this person or this ex. I gotta, and, and we just try and we start pushing our way in. We start pushing that door open. And then we start causing sometimes more problems than we really ever wanted to in the first place. So this isn't like, boom, get resolution today. And I've heard messages, and I've heard people talk, and I've heard sermons from preachers and everything saying, you may need to leave here and call someone and get this taken care of today. Hey, great, you may need to do that. The chances are it's not going to get taken care of today, okay? Maybe you want to start the process, fine. Maybe you want to just call them up and get cussed out again, fine, try it. You know, my, my point is this, it's a process, folks. Don't get, don't get hung up on this thing and think, well, I, unless they give me the words that I want to hear, it's not going to happen. That, it just don't start thinking like that. I'm going to show you in a moment one of the reasons why that's not always going to be the case. So, if you're going to deal with bitterness, seek resolution. Recognize it's an issue. Deal with you. Deal as much as you can with the other person. And that may be very limited. Second thing I want you to see on this whole thing is ask for grace to forgive. Am I the only one here that's had a problem at times forgiving people? I don't think so. You think about some people, you think, how could they have said those things to me? How could they have done those things to me? That's hard sometimes. You know, those thoughts hit you about 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes, and you're like, oh, man. Oh, give me another bottle of wine. No, I'm kidding. Um, just kidding, folks. Take it easy. Okay, let me show you a verse. Okay, um, that, that has to do with it. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Tough, tough verse. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I always think and usually say this when I read that last part of the verse, and that is... I should never have a problem with forgiveness for you or any person because I have sinned far more against God than you ever will me, ever. And God's forgiven me for far more than anything you can ever do to me. That doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean it's always easy for me to say, well, God, I'm going to forgive them because you forgive. I've had it many times. God, there's no reason... I shouldn't be able to forgive this person because I just think of how I've, what I've done to you. The times I've let you down, God. The times I've pulled a Peter and denied you, as Peter did in the Gospels when, when he denied Jesus three times. But sometimes it's still tough. Now, sometimes we still have to get alone, say, God, I just, I'll put it in my language, I ain't got the ability to do this. You're going to have to give it to me. You're going to have to give me the ability to forgive because it's just not here. I'm not made that way. But you know what? God can and does give us that. 
Sometimes it takes more than once. Sometimes we have to keep going back, saying, God, here I am again. It's that same jerk. And I'm still having problems with him. And I've forgiven him 450 times. Lord, I need grace to forgive him 451 times. Sometimes we have to ask for grace from God to forgive. We need to do that. And he'll give that to us again in time process. Third way we need to deal with this whole thing. There's, I've got to go through these. There's, there's five here. I want to show them all real quick to you. Number, I've, I've already touched on this. Understand fallen mankind. Uh, a verse, and, and this is a verse that I've used, and if you've come here much, you've heard me quote it a few times. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. You're dealing with fallen people, folks. You're dealing with all people who are fallen, who aren't what God wants them to be in every area of their life. And you're one of them. So that's a tough deal. So that's when, and the thing, and I I think about it in simple things, and I think about the things, here's how, I'll give you my little thought, my process, and and just some little things. Like, for instance, this is something that I'm used to now because I've lived here for almost two years, and it's it's second. But people pulling out in front of you, that used to be a real big deal with me, Okay. Uh, because out in, we're in, I kind of got used to it in D.C., but in Colorado for 17 years, people don't pull out in front of each other. We're all polite in Colorado. We're all just laid back, dying to get up on the ski hill. We don't really give a rip about anything else. Um, and, um, I mean, that's close. I mean, they're from Denver. I mean, and Denver's a little different. But anyway, uh, um, and then I, so here's the process. Somebody pull out in front of me, and I go, dang. Then I think, wait a minute, have I ever done that to somebody? Yep. But then I started having problems when someone would do something to me, whether it be in traffic or somewhere else, something that I would not do, which isn't too much, frankly. But, but, but I mean, it, but then I would, but you see, that doesn't help either, because then there are people who will do things to you that you would not do. And that's still, we have to go back and ask God to give us the grace to forgive and, and understand we're dealing with people. It's a fallen world. It's a broken world with broken people who do broken things. That's why we have sickness. That's why we have death. That's why we have things that sometimes are so hard to understand. Starving people and and, and sick people that we don't think should be sick. We live in a fallen world. God didn't do that. We did that. When mankind fell, when mankind sinned, understand that's the kind of world we live in. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Fourth thing I want you to see is this. This is a simple principle, but again, not that always easy to do. Trust in the God, the I got your back controller. I, I believe God basically, I got your back. I believe he says that to us. I got your back. Things that you didn't expect to happen, things that you don't understand, things that you may not understand for a long time to come. Let me show you real quick a couple of verses. Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. The Apostle Paul wrote that around 66, 67 A.D. He was uh, late in life, and he took him late in life to understand that. I don't always understand that today. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I will out loud, often I will say it in my mind. God, I don't understand that. I don't understand how you could have allowed that. Because I'm, I'm a fallen person too. With limited understanding. 
David did that in the, in the Psalms. A couple times he said, God, how could you do this? We call them some of those, some of those are called, just for, if you're looking for big words, imprecatory psalms, where he really just cries out to God. God, how could, all the, all the godly are dying. How could you do this? And then David really goes even a step further sometimes. He says, God, this guy's bad. Kill him and all of his kids and all of his grandkids. I mean, he says that a couple of times about some, some evil people. Does that mean we should pray that? I don't think so. But the, but the point being this, somewhere in there we have to come back to this issue of, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it. And, and frankly, God, I, I don't like it too much. But then I'm a fallen person, and you're God, and I need to understand that. So I, I have to believe this. I don't always understand it, but I have to believe this. Another verse that I use often is Genesis 50, 20. It's one of my life verses. As for you, you bent evil against me. This is Joseph talking to his brothers who had betrayed him, trying to kill him. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. There are people who don't mean well. There are people who want you dead, if not literally, at least figuratively. There are people who want to kill your business. There are people who would love to see your family fail. There are people like that. And they're not just across the ocean. And God says to that, you know what? Don't worry about that. I mean, you do what you could do, certainly. I'm not saying we shouldn't have defense and we shouldn't have, uh, in terms of national defense, I'm not saying we shouldn't try to protect ourselves. We should do what we can do. But God says, there's only so much you can do, and it doesn't really matter because I got your back. Even those who seek to hurt you, I will take that and use that for good. As he did in the life of Joseph. His brothers tried to kill him. They betrayed him. They left him for dead. And what did God do? God used that circumstance, brought him through a hole. I mean, he brought him through hell, literally. He had to go to prison two or three times, un, always unjustified. Always, always he was, he was wrongly accused. And then he finally ended up as prime minister of Egypt. In the place, one of the, the second most powerful position on earth. Now, am I saying that you're going to end up as in the second most powerful position? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that, that God's, God's got all that stuff taken care of. And sometimes for me, and I think for you, what we have to do is, you know what? That person meant to hurt me. They meant to really hurt me. But that's okay. Because I serve a bigger God than that. And I'm going to love them anyway. That's what I'm going to do. Pretty cool stuff. Number five, last thing, real quick. Be thankful for the ultimate equalizer. This is your last little part of dealing with bitterness. Be thankful for the ultimate equalizer. You know where this is going, probably. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, he says this, I will take vengeance. This is God talking. I will repay those who deserve it. In due time, their feet will slip. The day, their, day of disaster, their day of disaster will come, and their destiny will overtake them. I'll take care of that, don't you? Don't worry about it. Um, Romans 12, 19 sort of reiterates that in a different way. The Apostle Paul again, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it. Those people who just don't seem to get their due, that's God's business. I don't need to do that. I don't want to get hung up on that. Later on, one of the Bible, in Romans, the same passage in Romans 12, later on a verse says this, and that is, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. So don't worry about that. 
So there are five things real quick in dealing with this. Seek resolution. Ask, grace for, ask for grace to forgive. Understand fallen mankind. Trust in God and be thankful for the ultimate equalizer. Let me give you this third thing, this last thought, if you will, of, of the whole issue here of, of emotional durability. Trust God and enjoy his blessings. Just trust God and enjoy his blessings. Let me just take you through an Old Testament narrative, again, of David, who I referred to earlier, chapter 37. And uh, it's not about you. It's, it's about you and God. It's not about anybody else. But look what David says here. This is chapter 37 of Psalm, beginning in verse 1. Don't worry about the wicked. Don't envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they'll soon fade away. Like springtime flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him. He will help you. He will make your innocence as clear as the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or don't fret about their wicked schemes. Stop your anger. Turn from your rage. Don't envy others. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. For those who trust in the Lord will possess the land, will prosper, is what he's saying there. In a little while, the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. And you know that's true, don't you? Those who are gentle and lowly will possess the land. They will live in prosperous um, security. Trust in God and enjoy his blessings. We don't have to make it so complicated. It begins when we understand who God is. Or at least begin to try to have an understanding of who God is. He's not going to, give you, he's not going to solve all your problems for you. He's not going to give you total understanding about everything. But it begins for some of us, and it has already begun in a relationship with him. As we pursue that and as we seek to allow God to just do some things in our heart, to do, follow some of these issues... Some of us, it might be for some of you, I don't, know, I don't know anybody's heart, except my own, sometimes not my own. But for some of you, it might begin this morning. Say, Lord, right here, right now, I just want to trust you. For some of us, that means trusting you, Lord, as the person who's just going to come into my life, and I just want to give you my life. For others of us, I've trusted you, God, before, and I need to trust you more, and I need to trust you again to deal with some of these issues. It is only by your strength and it's only by your power that I can do that. And you can do that right where you are. Let me show you one last thought, one last quote from a great, great writer. Kind of wraps this all up for us. A great, uh, a great writer. All those things, detect bitterness and so forth. Oliver Wendell Holmes, the man who thinks his wife, his baby, his house, his horse, his dog, and himself severely unequaled is almost sure to be a good-humored person. I just like that. man who, who just is so thankful for the blessings that God has given him is a good-humored person. The opposite of that is the guy who's not, the person who's not, probably isn't going to be in good humor. Probably going to have a lot of issues to deal with. So maybe, maybe, maybe it begins with just some reflection and some insight. Let's pray together. Lord... These are such important, valuable truths. And, and you know each heart here. You know each person. You know what they're dealing with. And I just pray, God, that each one of us would seek you, 
and would seek to allow you to, 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 in some cases, strengthen us, in some cases, correct us, in some cases, set us on the right path on these very important issues. Whatever each one individual situation might be, Lord, I pray for that and pray that the Spirit of God would work in each one of our lives as we just pray in our own way to you, whether that be just a, a prayer of simple contrition of, God, just help me. I need help. Or whether it be a prayer of, God, I need you to just take over my life. We just thank you for that, Lord, and we, we just want to commit these things to you now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.